Smarties, today we continue part two of our conversation about games. We discuss why and how to informally assess learners using games. And we also delve into how learners derive esteem from gameplay and how it can and should strengthen their metacognition. Smarties, this is the second part of our conversation that we started last week in episode 228. If you haven't listened to that first episode, go back. We also linked it in the show notes for you and listen to the first part of our conversation and then come back and listen to this conversation where we delve further into the topic of how to up-level and why to up-level games. If you are interested in having more conversations around games or the work that you are doing or the business that you are building, we would be honored to coach with you. Feel free to reach out to us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. I know sometimes when you guys email us, you have a sense of, hey, I want to work with Rachel or hey, I want to work with Steph. And that's totally fine. We don't have ego in this. You work with the right person for you. You guys listen to our show and you know our personalities. And if you want to coach with both of us, that is our favorite thing to do. So don't hesitate. You don't have to do anything to be ready for coaching. There's no checklist that we require for you to be ready for coaching. If you are thinking about these critical things that we talk about on the podcast, if you are building a business that you want to be profitable, sustainable, and pleasurable for you and your family, please reach out to us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. We would be honored to support you. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 229 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today is part two about games. So let's just remind everybody, last week, episode 228, we talked about, Steph, your history with games and how you sort of became known as the game guru. And then you shared how games are low investment and high reward and high return and the other reasons that you integrate games in all your sessions. And then you also break down the type of games that work best for different styles of learners. And also we had a nice conversation about flexibility. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and listen to part one. First, we'll go ahead and link it in the show notes. But Steph, before I forget, I have to tell you something funny happened. Hmm. So I was talking with a client of mine about how to study for a math test. And it came up at the end of session. So I did what I sometimes do. I texted him the episode on how to study for math. And in fact, Steph will link that episode also in the show notes. So I texted him the episode and then I like, you know what? It's episode one something, which means I haven't thought about it or listened to it in a year and a half, probably. And so I decide I'm going to go back and listen to our own episode. I do that every once in a while just to remind myself of conversations that I thought were meaningful or whatever. So I go and I turn it on. I'm like prepping dinner and Adam walks in and he hears the opening to the episode. And then we're both sitting there and he gets a smile on his face because he knows that the song's going to come on. Mm -hmm. And in that episode, I guess I sang it for Pierce, who is our editor. 
And I guess I sang the song. And so that's the opening in that episode. Oh, that's Pierce like put the music behind it, but it's me singing it. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing and Adam's like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, I must have just sung it for Pierce's benefit. And he put it in the episode. And Pierce, I know you're listening to this. I loved it. <laughs> and you knew that I would love it. So I'm linking that episode if you want to hear me sing in the opening. It was just really funny because Adam happened to be in the room at the time. And it was just a moment. And we probably never knew that he did had that. no idea. So you got to go back and listen to the opening. So if you do nothing else, download the episode and then, you know, listen to the first minute and a half of it. But it was really funny. Because it was unexpected. And I'm sure I had no idea. Or if we knew, for sure had forgotten by this point. Oh, for sure. Fair enough. Okay. So now that that story is out there, Steph, let's talk about how you can use games to informally assess. So the virtue of informal assessment, which is a lot of the work that we do, and we've talked about the value of informal assessment with Katie, and we'll link that episode in the show notes to this one as well. But why do we want and how do we use games to informally assess the learners that we work with, Steph? Okay, I think it's really important that we use games to informally assess because there's so many formal assessments out there. And if you think about tests in school, those count as formal assessments. We still need the information. We just need to get it a little differently because the last thing that you want to do is put another test in front of kids, right? Especially kids with anxiety, kids that feel overwhelmed or don't know how to break stuff down. There's so many reasons. And we talked about it last episode about the mad minute, right? Third grade was a really long time ago. And it still gives me anxiety, the mad minute. So this is one of the ways that I started to be able to get information. And the kid didn't know I was getting the information. And I could just keep it to myself because it's not like they need the feedback You know, we've had conversations where we felt like Mm -hmm. younger kids who take a test, they shouldn't get their scores because their scores shouldn't matter, right? Like on standardized tests. So this is one of those elements that I firmly believe it doesn't matter because it's really not the end goal that I'm trying to get, whether they know it or don't. That's pretty obvious, but it's how they're solving the problems, how they're getting there. That's much more interesting to me and to ed therapists in general. I mean, that's what we do, right? So it's really important to get the information in a way that everybody feels comfortable and can be fun. I mean, assessments can be fun. So let's talk about some things that it does. You put a game in front of a kid, they're relaxed and they're going to perform at their best. Why? They're engaged and it's fun. They're more willing to participate. If I put a test in front of a kid, yeah, no, shutdown mode. A hundred percent. And then there's stress and then you won't perform as well. And we're able to make these observations when they aren't stressed. That's really important. You can also get so much information about their personality, what their strengths are, where they have challenges, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, things like that. And games that require key skills that can be observed, like visual spatial. You all know, you've heard me talk about how my favorite game is Rush Hour. That is a lot of visual spatial stuff. And when I ask kids what Rush Hour reminds them of in school, I get a different answer every time. And sometimes they'll say math and sometimes they'll say English. And the truth is, is it's a problem solving scenario. And 
you should see their faces when they do. It's like all of a sudden they have made sense of something that they didn't realize. And look, they're solving the problem, even though it feels hard. And then they want the next level up. They always want to go to 50 and I don't let them. (laughs) You don't go from one to 50. That's not how it works. So detecting patterns, planning ahead, predicting the outcome of alternative moves. Uh So that's like checkers and chess and any two person game, Uh right? That's important because also think about socially, they need to go in and be able to pick up social cues and see what's going to happen. So it can be real life situations for sure. They learn from experience. A lot of them watch me and check out my strategy and then copy it or ask me why I'm doing that strategy. I had a kid do that yesterday. You're working on the concept of rules and practicing following them. And being flexible when the rules change. Exactly. Okay. You're talking about moral problems, right? Like here's something. How many little kids do we know that want to cheat because they just want to win? Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot. So following the rules and what's morally right, what's morally wrong. Like, did you take the right amount when it said draw four? Did you take three because you're trying to win? I mean, those kinds of things come up pretty often. Turn taking, memory, reading and following rules, setup. You have to follow the directions to set it up. And then the big one, how to lose. Mm. It's very hard to lose. And I remember losing to my dad all the time in games and being so frustrated, but also so happy when I won. Oh, it's a great feeling. I've just started reading Carrie Soto is Back, which is by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which, by the way, if you've not read her books, love them, happy to talk about them. The premise of the story is that she's a tennis player and she talks about the first time she beat her dad in the story. The other thing that is really important is we are developing metacognition. Metacognition is knowing about your learning and knowing who you are as a learner and what you think about thinking or learning. And it's important to be able to explain your own thinking because this is going to help later on in communication and understanding what's required of you in a job or what happened and why. And so kids don't know that they need to explain their approach or think about their thinking unless they're asked. So this is a really good practice when you sit there and say, why did you decide to do that? Or if they make a really good move, like make a point of what made you think of that? Or how did you think of that? Or wow, you really got me on that one. You were really thinking ahead. And talking about those things, you should see the smiles on their faces. They just light up. And for the kids that struggle with learning and don't feel smart and have low self-esteem, they feel really smart and feel really good about themselves. And that just opens the door. Progress is so explicit. You can mark that progress so clearly. It's black and white in a way. Mm -hmm. And so they can see and derive self-esteem from that improvement. And that sort of improvement after struggle and learning can really be an entryway into trying an academic skill that is not comfortable for them. It's unlocking the gate for sure. Yeah. Are there any last minute things that you want our smarty audience to know about games, Steph? What's your big nugget here? Play games. If you have kids, play games in the classroom if you can, or have centers. Tell your families to play games. That could be a homework assignment. Play a game. Mm-hmm. The more that we can get kids having fun and realize they're learning while they're doing that, the better. Amen, sister. Thank you. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week. <laughs>